You know, in this world, there are times when life gets very heavy. Amen? Anybody have life ever get heavy? And in those times, it sometimes gets us down. And I can only think about that. The guy this week, I read the article, or I read part of the article, and saw his picture. The gentleman that was swallowed, swallowed by a humpback whale wonder if in that moment he didn't cry out his adoration to God in that moment. And I find that God's timing is incredibly unbelievable because I've had on my radar for about two and a half months that today we would be beginning this series, Jonah, when two wills collide And wouldn't you know it this week, I'll have a picture of him next week, I hope to find, the gentleman that was swallowed by the humpback whale off the Massachusetts coast. But uh, anyway, you can't make these things up. Isn't it crazy? So, but uh, if you would like to read along uh, in our passage today, we're going to be in the book of Jonah. It is in the Old Testament after the major prophets. That'd be after Ezekiel, after Daniel, after Hosea, after Joel, after Amos, after Obadiah, you will find the book of Jonah. Jonah. We're going to read the first three verses. We're going to pray And then we're going to dig into this book. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for your timing. I, I, I can't make these things up, Lord. You just do. And uh, so, Father, we just pray that as we begin this series today, that you would speak to hearts, that you would open minds, that you would clear ears, Lord, we want to be able to see and hear and receive your word this morning very, very clearly. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you have had the pleasure of investing any amount of time with a two-year-old? Anybody had any any blessings of being able to invest time with a two-year-old? Well, those of you that have, understand a little bit better. You understand what happens when two wills collide, right? You see, for a two-year-old, his or her will is the only will that matters, right? Am I right? 
And for that two-year-old, when their will is impeded, trouble is sure to arise, right? You know what I'm talking about. But here's the thing. Although most of us hearing this message are 30 or 50 or 70 or 80 years removed from when we were two years old, that inner two-year-old can reappear in our lives from time to time when we're not happy because my will was not done. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's exactly where the prophet Jonah was at, at this particular place in his life at the beginning of the book named after him. God willed Jonah to go and deliver his message to a specific people. But Jonah willed for those people not to hear the message. Two wills collided. And in this series through Jonah, we'll be looking into the will of both Jonah and the Lord so that we'll be better to understand both who God is and most importantly, what God is like. So let's look into what happens when two wills collide. And let's begin by seeing the collision. The collision. And in order to understand the collision, we must first understand the prophet. The prophet. We see the prophet in verse 1. Have you ever played the phone game in your life? The phone game where you sit in a circle and somebody comes up with a message and they whisper it in the ear of the one next to them and they in turn whisper it in the ear of the next one and it goes all the way around the circle and eventually it gets back to the person to the left or to the right of the person that started the phone message and they say what they heard. 99 times out of 100 it has nothing, it's not anywhere remotely close to what it was in the first place. And for humanity, in the beginning of time, God's intent was to walk with us and to talk with us firsthand. That he would be our God and we would be his friend. God desired to speak directly and to live with us so that we could clearly hear his will for us. Although much has changed since the garden and the fall, God's desire that we hear his will for us from his mouth, has never changed. Never changed. Directly from him. And what is his will for us? That we know him personally. We can know that first off. 
His will is that we know Him personally. That we discover both the depth of His love and how we are to be saved. That's the will of God. It's it's pretty simple. It is very simple. It's never changed. But beginning with Moses... And the fear that the people experienced when God spoke with him somewhere up on Mount Sinai. You know, the thunder and the lightning. I don't know if it rained on him or not. But, but, but in the booming and all of the stuff and the people down on the bottom were terrified. What happened to Moses? We saw this taking place in Exodus chapter 20, verses 18 and 19, that experience. And when Moses came back, they told Moses, from now on, you go talk to God and tell us what he said. Things began to change with Moses. Because of their fear, Moses repeated God's message, which was God's will for the people. Does that make sense? Moses heard from God, and Moses repeated what God's will was for the people. And after Moses, God lifted up a war, he lifted up wartime leaders. They were called the judges. And the judges were called to lead the people. And then eventually a man named Samuel came along, and God initiated a people that was known as the prophets. And to quote a line from the Veggie Tales Jonah movie, Jonah was a prophet, ooh, ooh, but he never really got it. Sad but true. I haven't had anybody here see that. You need to see that movie. You got one, seen it. Just last night, there you go. Jonah was one of these prophets. He's known as one of the minor prophets, not because he's a minor prophet, but because the writings about him are just this story. We know nothing else about the prophet Jonah except what we have learned in this story. Jonah was lifted up and Jonah heard God's instruction and Jonah would go and tell the people that he was instructed to go and tell what God's will was. That's who Jonah was. He was a prophet. And this is the prophet. There you go. I didn't need to change it. And besides understanding the prophet, we second must understand the purpose of the message. The purpose of the message. And we see that the purpose of the message, we see the purpose of the message on the surface in verse 2. And as I've shared numerous times over the years as I've served as your minister, the Bible is different than any other book you have ever written. It's different because the Bible is living, it's breathing. It's active, and yet it never changes. Nothing has changed. I don't understand all of that, but I know it's true. I've experienced it in my life, and maybe you have too. Inside this truth 
in particular with the Old Testament, the Bible is meant to be understood on a deeper level than what you read on the surface. At a deeper level, down deeper, I've talked about the scarlet thread that runs through the Bible from cover to cover that running with the crimson blood of Jesus. It's there to be seen beyond the surface. To stop at seeing that God wanted Jonah to go to Nineveh and to preach against it because of the wickedness that was in the city, to stop at that truth is to stop and not see the greater meaning of what God was really saying. What was the greater meaning? Just as the greater meaning of the phone game, I'm convinced of this, I don't know if it instructions have ever been, but the greater meaning of the phone game to me is to remind us not to pass on information unless we hear that information directly from the horse's mouth and we've been given permission to share. I'm convinced that that's what the purpose of that game is. God has a greater meaning and he wants all to hear that although preaching against and pointing out the wickedness of Nineveh may sound like he's angry. He was mad. He can't wait to whack them. On the surface, that's what it looks like to see these, in particular, these Old Testament messages. But the truth could not be farther away. It just, it just is. The truth is that the people of Nineveh, the city of Nineveh, that great city Nineveh, was in danger. The message was to be an alarm, to sound the message that God is paying attention. And the city was in danger. The warning siren was going off. The tornado was about to arrive. God was warning the people. <coughs> they were in danger of the wrath of their perfectly just, perfectly just creator. And most importantly, God was desperate to save them. Desperate to save them. God wanted the people of Nineveh to recognize him for who he was and who he is and who he will ever be. When we look deeper inside what is written in verse 2, we see the same creator living in perfect harmony with himself. For God is both compassionate and kind as well as perfect in justice. To us, they seem completely opposite. Oh, somebody's compassionate and kind. They're not going to get mad at me. They're going to let me do what I want to do because they're compassionate and kind, right? But the opposite is just the same. Oh, oh, they mean what they say. They're going to come and they're going to whack me and I'm going to get it right now. How many of you know humans are, we deal in absolutes? It's either this or that. It can't be both. 
And yet the truth is our creator is both. He is completely compassionate and kind as well as perfect in justice. That's why God called Jonah to go to Nineveh and to preach against their wickedness. They were in danger of his justice. But God's will, God's will was and is and will ever be equally compassion and kindness. You see, that is the purpose of the message. And finally, besides understanding the prophet and the purpose of the message, we thirdly must understand the recipients of the message. The recipients of the message. At the height of the Assyrian Empire, at the height of the power of the Assyrian Empire, the great city of Nineveh became its capital city about 700 B.C. Zennacherib was the king at the time, the king of Assyria. Zennacherib is the king that led a mighty army all the way up to the neck of Jerusalem during Hezekiah's reign. And after Hezekiah had humbled himself and cried out to the Lord, that night, we're told in 1 Kings, that night God struck down 185,000 of Assyria's army, the army that Zennacherib led to Jerusalem. That gets me, 185,000. I wonder how many was in the army to start with. Nineveh was Assyria's capital, okay? But Nineveh was also known as the great city, as we saw in our text. And part of the reason was that because Nineveh, it became a royal residence of the kings of Assyria in 1100 B.C. And from that time until its destruction in 612 B.C., Nineveh was one of the largest cities known to man. Nineveh was known as the great city. Another reason that Nineveh became known as the great city is because of where it was located. Nineveh was located in a very fertile area on the Tigris River in modern-day Iraq. To find the ancient ruins of Nineveh today, and they are there, One needs only find the modern-day city of Mosul, Iraq, on the map. Mosul became famous because it was Saddam Hussein's birthplace, where he grew up. There's another thing that was interesting about the city of Nineveh that I found in my study this week. How it became the great city. Do you know who founded the great city of Nineveh? You can find a story in Genesis chapter 10 if you want to look it up this week. But for the sake of time, I'll just tell you, was a man named Nimrod. Nimrod became a mighty warrior, the text tells us. 
he became a mighty hunter before the Lord. Do you know who Nimrod's great-grandfather was? Anybody have a guess? A man named Noah. A man named Noah. We'll have to talk about Noah another time. Nimrod founded the great city of Nineveh. And Nimrod was the great-grandson of Noah. The word of the Lord came to the prophet Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its inhabitants are in danger of my perfect justice. But Jonah... He had a different will. God's compassion willed Jonah to go. God's compassion willed Jonah to go and to preach against Nineveh so that they would hear the word of the Lord, so that they would repent. But Jonah, he ran the other way. Away from the direction the Lord wanted him to go. In fact, the opposite direction from Nineveh. What was Jonah thinking? Why did he run the other way? Why was God's will a problem to Jonah? All of these questions and so many more will be answered in this series, Jonah, when two wills collide. So in closing today, I'd like to ask each of you, in the hearing of my voice, both here in this place and over the internet, what has the Lord been saying to you. What is the Lord saying to you? What has he been saying maybe for quite some time? What have you been running from? Today, I pray, will be your day to consider the word of your compassionate and kind creator who is also perfect in justice. To consider the word. God loves you. He really does. He's crazy about you. He is. He loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to make your salvation and eternal life possible. And regardless of where you have been and regardless of whatever you think that God can't forgive you for, the truth is, and will always be, 
just as it was for that great city Nineveh, so it will always be for each of us right where we are today. The Lord wants you to escape his perfect justice. Oh, he wants you to escape. He wants you to see him for who he really is. He wants you to see that he truly is compassionate and kind and that his love never, ever fades. And I pray today that we will see that, each of us, right where we are, as well as throughout this series, that you will see him afresh and anew, that you will recognize his love and his compassion for you right in the middle of where you are. And I pray that throughout this series that you will find the strength and the courage to say, yes, Jesus, I trust you. And I pray that you'll discover the courage to take him at his word, to take him by the hand and follow him wherever he leads. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that this is who you are. This is who you are. And I thank you that your message never changes, that it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I thank you for your incredible love for us. And Lord, just as I'm thankful for your love, I'm thankful for your justice. And that you are able, even though we are a people of absolutes you are a god that has no problem juggling both because you are all encompassing lord we thank you that you are so much more than we give you credit for especially in forgiveness and compassion and kindness to each one oh lord we pray that your grace and your mercy would abound through and through us today And as we walk through this message, and both now and forevermore, amen, 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 amen.